On this episode, we're kicking off season six with a trip to Crescent City. We'll be discussing the second book in the series, House of Sky and Breath, and all the chaos that ensues across its 800 pages. There will be spoilers as we work to unravel all the threads in this book, so if this one is still on your to-be-read list, we'd hop on your nearest jet ski and speed over to another episode. And for the love of God, if you find Victoria's box, grab her. Welcome back to Page Rage. Welcome back, everyone. Oh my God, that's our biggest concern. But we have a special guest this week on this episode. We're welcoming back Jess, who you may remember from one of our past Harry Potter episodes. Not only is she a fellow Potterhead, but she also loves to deep dive down the mass verse with us. Crescent City happens to be her favorite out of the three, so I knew she was the perfect guest to have on. Welcome back, Jess. Welcome. Hey, ladies. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back. You're the <laughs> first person I've met who Crescent City is their number one. And I try to explain why to people. I think it's because it mixes the fantasy elements with a touch of modern. You know, mm-hmm. Bryce has a cell phone and that's realistic to me. I think that that helps make it my favorite. Plus, Bryce is just a badass and I love her. But yeah, I think that's the the main reason why, because everybody looks at me like I'm crazy every time I say it. I love that scene in the first book where she like goes to get her nails done in New York. Like that's basically <laughs> what it is. With Faye. Oh yeah. Draki or whatever who's doing her nails that's blows on him to make them dry. I was like, that's cool. Oh, I never picked that up. Yeah. That's cool. Speaking of which, I do want to ask this question to all of us. So there are four main houses. The Earth and Blood, which is the Shifters, Humans, Witches, Sky and Breath, the Angels and the Fae, Many Waters, which is, you know, all the things in the great beyond, and Flame and Shadow, Reapers, Draki, Race, Vampires, and Dragons. Which house would you guys be in? I had not considered this question before you asked it. I would be Sky and Breath. I guess maybe that's just a wish because I would want to be an angel. The angels? Okay. I would want to be a Malachim. Okay. Even though they're kind of assholes. Not all of them. Isaac, Isaiah, Isaac, one of the two. The I Isaiah. guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a solid mm-hmm. guy. He's a good guy. And Naomi. Is she an angel? Yeah, she's an angel. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Victoria's a wraith. She's at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> she's, she's, she's the one who's going insane slowly and surely. Uh-huh. Hashtag free Victoria. <clears throat> what about you? I think if I can't be an Iron Teeth witch, like I would need to be a specific type of witch to want to be in Earth and Blood, then I think I would uh, go into Flame and Shadow. I want to be a dragon. I was born in Year of the Dragons. So that's always my default. <laughs> I don't know what dragons could do yet in this uh, world. We'll see. We just encountered one, but we'll just say that. And hopefully I don't uh, regret that after we read the next book. Oh my God. I want to be Jessica, whatever she is. That's who I want to mm-hmm. be. And she's in peaced out for the witches and now she's in flame and shadow. Flame so and shadow. that whole thing, I want to be her. I wouldn't even be surprised if she was one of the Iron Teeth like descendants. Manon's like second cousin twice removed. They got the same hair color. So, mm-hmm. and same eye color, if I remember correctly. They look alike. Well, because she's technically still a witch though, right? Like as her species. Nobody really knows just, what she is. She hasn't confirmed yeah. or denied exactly. So hmm. we're not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if she just like casually came through the rift and was just like, hmm, I'll hang out here for a yeah. little bit, see what's going on. Ground. She got mad and like the iron teeth came out, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. That would well, actually I be feel amazing. Like that's 100% what Fury did, came through the rift and was like, oh, okay, I'll hang out here for a while. I think a lot of them were popping up in there to do that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So one quick note for anybody listening. So at the time of recording, obviously we're kicking off season six. However, uh, the latest book in the Crescent City series has not dropped yet. We're about two weeks out. So while there are spoilers for book two and probably book one, there will be nothing about book three because we literally don't know anything yet. So anything we are saying about book three is just our own thoughts and rambles. So that is our little public service announcement for all of our listeners. Yes. So stay tuned because here we're starting off with The House of Sky and Breath dropped February 2022 and was the follow-up after a devastating ending to Earth and Blood. Let's pour one out for Lily, the Queen of Embers. Ugh, loved her. Bryce and Hunt are now on the series radar after Bryce's reveal that not only is she a starburn princess, but also taken majority of the first light from the gates after her drop. Hunt has morphed into Thor circa Ragnarok and is brooding just because that's what he does. And Rune is getting shit on by literally anyone and everyone for simply existing. Like, I need some justice for my baby Rune. The Ophian rebels are hard at work taking down the Asiri in any way they can, and Bryce and crew have been looped in because Danica yet again has been hiding some serious secrets. Where does she find the time? House of Sky and Breath gives us more action, a mind-blowing ending, and in typical Moss fashion, some shining side characters. All right, guys, rage or rave? I don't think it comes as a surprise that it's a rave for me since CC is my favorite in general from the Massverse, but I, I loved it. It was a wild ride, mainly because of how many characters we got in it and how many viewpoints we got in it. I almost feel like it was more of a whiplash than the first book, though, again, probably an unpopular opinion, but obviously the ending makes up for any <laughs> hardships we <laughs> yeah. had. The ending was well worth it. The ending saved this book rating for me, <laughs> to be completely <laughs> honest. It's literally the last t- 10 pages that made me rate it what I did. I will say compared to the first one, more of a rave. Um, But I am still very firm on the fact that I think these books are too long and we could have been a lot more efficient with some of the storyline. So it was more of a rave. It was not as painful for me personally as the first one was to read. But yes, the last... 10 pages literally made up for the rest of the book. But what about you, Kat? Um, This one is a rave for me. The only thing I'm getting nervous about, I agree with Ashley, like she could have condensed some things. So I'm worried that we won't get some of the answers that like some of us want. Like where is Victoria and why hasn't she come back? And also the Thunderbird, like that's a big deal. Are we going to continue with that? Are they popping up somewhere else? But it was a rave for me. I did like it a lot more. I loved more of the side characters that she brought in. Therian is my jam. I like that there was some kind of evolution between Bryce and Rune because if if that would have continued on, I probably would have dropped that. I think I rated it a 3.5. So I did as well. But again, the last 10 pages. Otherwise, this was barely a three. <laughs> but that one, that saved it. Strong 10 pages. <laughs> <laughs> Did either of you know about it going into the end? No. I did because I read it almost a year after it came out. So I knew, obviously, that the worlds were going to cross over. I just didn't know how. So that part wasn't the complete surprise to me, although there were some pieces of it that were. But it it was still good, even knowing that those characters were going to come in. Yeah, I read it when it came out and when it started happening, and I was really confused. And then all of a sudden, it started making sense what was 
was going on. And then what really blew my mind is when she mistook Reese for Rune. She was like, Rune? What does that mean? What is going on? Blew my mind. I read it, you know, the week it came out probably. And I remember I was, I got so upset at myself because I was in the last chapter. I don't know why, but maybe it was when I was reopening the book or something and I flipped it open and it was the last page and I saw that name at the end and I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And so of course I had to go like back to where I actually was speed read all the way through, but best surprise ever. And I am so anxious to see how deep we go into this crossover. (laughs) I hope we go deep. I'm like, bring them all together. Like we're going to based on the little snippet. But before we get into that, because we will towards the end, bringing it back to the very beginning. I know we talked about this a little bit. What do you think of the Crescent City world since it is a more modern spin from what we've seen of the three Moss universes? As I said before, that's part of why I love this series so much is that it is set in a more modern setting, you know, something that relatable to us as our own common folk selves. Is this the world? Would you rather live in this one out of like the three options that they have between Throne of Glass, Akatar, and Crescent City? Oh, definitely. I would definitely want to be in this one rather than the other, the Throne of Glass world. Yeah, Terrison sounds cool, but the rest of that world sounds shitty. And then... As far as Akatar goes, well, Akatar would come in number two, but this would definitely be number one. What about you, you, Kat? I do appreciate it for what it is. It's basically like New York, but fantasy as usual. As I also like that there's so many creatures that are all just kind of just vibing together out doing their thing. So I like the mesh and the melting pot that it's brought in, which is basically like New York. Whereas Akatar and Throne of Glass, everybody's like very separated into their own groups. I want to say Throne of Glass is still my favorite. So I would probably live there being some Iron Teeth witch in the back hanging out in a cabin somewhere. What about you, Ash? I mean, it's it's nice because Crescent City, you you don't have all these like clothing and layers that you have to wear or like required to wear to be presentable, <laughs> which I appreciate. Like that's not fun having to wear 25 layers. The world is strange for Crescent City because it is nice because it's modern and you have cell phones and all these things, but it's harder to descend into that realm of believability with like the magic and all of the different creatures because it is in a modern world and even living like right outside of New York City. And I know we have a lot of creatures running around there. It's still, it's hard. It's harder for me to put it together and to like have that suspended, you know, disbelief or whatever that I can be in that world. Whereas something like Akatar, like it's so different than what we are in that you you're just in it. If I had to live in one of these worlds, I feel like I've been in the world of Akatar. I feel like it's kind of like the best of all. Maybe I just feel like I know that one the best so I can maneuver through it <laughs> with some kind of education. Of course, I love the Iron Teeth. If I can just be in there, then that's totally fine. But like you said, Jess, that world sucks. I don't really want to be in there, but... I, you also think about it like you're right, Ash. Like, they have magic, they have cell phones, and yet, I mean, not that I'm complaining because I would love this, but why are there otters running around giving messages? Like, you I can't just, know, like... I love the sea otters so much. I know. <laughs> like, you, you couldn't shoot me a text? <laughs> That's my favorite part of this book is the sea otters. <laughs> I love Maybe them. it's just a remnant of the past that they don't want to get rid of because they're so cute. I love that. I, I believe they visit Victoria. They're probably the only ones, so... I hope she's hanging out with them. <laughs> I hope she's hanging out with somebody. I do not think we're going to get anything else from Victoria. I truly don't. We're going to riot at dawn. If there is nothing about Victoria in this next book, I'm going to be really upset. Uh, we'll get to this later. But like if things start happening, I need Victoria to come out hot. I would be okay if she wiped out like half a Crescent City because she's mad. If Elaine can have a, sto- have a book, Victoria can get out of a box. Can anybody get to her though? 
magical beings they can get there there like is a magic submarine yeah like they can get her that's exactly correct that's exactly where i was going i was like there is a queen of the ocean beneath like all she can blow it right up i don't know <laughs> Okay, so as we have this series, I would say Bryce is our fourth main. I'm going to throw Nesta in there. Where does she rank for y'all on your top four? Aelin, Bryce, Farah, and Nesta. Who comes in first? Give us the rankings. I'm going back to look and see what I texted (laughs) you the other day. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have Nesta in there, though. Uh, I figured Ness is like a solid main. Like she's going to be coming in hot. Even when Elaine gets her own book, I'm not including her. So She's never going to be included no. here. I don't care. No. We're going to lock her in the box. My order would be Aelin, Bryce, Feyre, Nesta. All right. A- and maybe Feyre and Nesta are tied at this point after Nesta's book. But Aelin is my girl. She's always going to be number one. That girl went through hell and back. And then Bryce, I adore and then Feyre and Nesta are kind of even at the bottom because I like them, but I don't love them. I can agree Sorry, with that ranking. I can agree with that ranking. I would say the same thing. Um, I would put Nesta above Farah. I would put literally any character except for Elaine above Farah because I just like do not like her. Bryce, I put number two. She would probably be equal with Nesta, but I liked Bryce because she's a matcha drinker, which I read in this book. And I was like... Same girl. Also whiskey, which you would like. Yeah, She's my kind of girl. I just, there's something about Nesta who I respect so much because she is just so true to herself. I mean, I I think we can all agree. Nobody can top Aelin. Like Aelin is end game. I always picture if there's like a serious thing, Aelin's coming in to like whoop ass. She's the master manipulator. The the biggest surprise. Like Bryce gives good surprises, but not on Aelin's level. She's the original double agent. Chef's kiss for Aelin. Actually, an agent yeah moss loves her some double agents but they're not always great but they're they're definitely not she started at the top and then somehow everybody just fell under what about you ash um i think for me it's i definitely need to reread throne of glass because i know that i love aelin and i love this series but i guess aelin would still be towards the front although at the moment i think she's tied with nesta just because i've read that book more recently than i have read throne of glass so aelin and nesta are pretty much like hand in hand for me i think if you would ask me after the first book bryce would have been above farah because farah is also kind of whatever for me at this point in the second book i think there was a lot of wasted time and Bryce had a really great character arc in book one. She was going through a lot and and the end and what she was willing to sacrifice for everybody was incredible. Book two, kind of basic. So for me, that she's at the bottom of my list now. So it would be Aelin, Nesta, Farah, and Bryce. So yeah. we'll see if she can redeem herself. I was not a big fan of her in, in this book. Do so. you like we'll her see. more than Elaine? Oh, God, of course. That's <laughs> not even a question. <laughs> Elaine will always be at the bottom of the bottomest of the list. Like... <laughs> That's not even a word, but she's like not even in the consideration. I think we all can agree out of the mains, our favorite characters are always the 13. So (laughs) yes, it doesn't. Okay. Well, looking at some of the romantic leads, some of the men and not the side characters, which is hard because I think we like a lot of the side characters more than some of the mains. Y'all know I do. But looking at the romantic leads, and I hope I got the ones from (laughs) the throne of class because there's like 18. So we just went with Rowan because he's the last one, right? I think so. All right, so how does Hunt stack up to the cast romantic leads looking at Rowan, Cassian, and Reese? Even though I love Aelin the most, I do not love Rowan. I don't love her and Rowan's love story. I do like their banter. I do like how they could speak to each other mind to mind, but it's not mind speaking. I do like that. 
but I just never quite felt they clicked like that. The men I would rank Reese Hunt. Oh, Rowan Cassian. Oh, wow. Oh, that's Damn. so hard. I don't know if I can defend that, <laughs> that ranking or not, but that's what it is. <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to defend it. It is what it is. God knows what will happen after the next book because uh, my opinion of Reese, both pre and post, uh, Silver Flames, completely different. Uh, Kat, where are you at? I, I would just say Cassian. I like Rowan, but I'm going to agree with Jess. Like, I think the thing is with Throne of Glass, since that was more her first series, I think it's a more action-based and the romance went secondary. There was like no spice. There was no real mm, between the two. And also Aelin had like, been through some dudes, uh, mm-hmm. which more power to her. I I think Cassian's just my favorite. Hunt's there. Reese, I just don't like. If I gave Reese anything, I guess he would be third because he looks like Rune. But actually, the the real thing is uh, Lucian, Rune, and then Cassian would be for me. <laughs> but that's about it. Yes. What about you? Uh, yeah, not including any side characters. Cassian is definitely number one for me. I think he would be even with side characters. I would have to agree. Rowan and Hunt are kind of like, meh, for me, it's kind of whatever. They're towards the bottom. Reese, I have a lot of issues with. But if I'm looking at it, in terms of somebody who can get shit done in this particular instance where we are leaving off with Crescent City 2 and about to hop into Crescent City 3, I will put Reese above those two because he will help in this situation. He will get shit done as annoying as I find him at times. Cassian, definitely number one. I think Hunt, Rowan tied for last and I guess Reese is kind of in the middle for now. I'm always (laughs) so opposite of you guys. You have the same ranking as me as as the leads. But I do adore Cassian. Trust me, if he were in this room right now, I would be all about it. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Who wouldn't? I really would look at you sideways if you were not about it. <laughs> okay, so we are introduced to a new player in the game for 0.5 seconds. Um, Sophie Renast was a Thunderbird, which is a totally cool new mythological being that she threw in, something that even the Asteri were frightened of. Do you think we will see the last of that line? Do you fully believe that Sophie was the last of the Thunderbirds? I could see it going either way. If I had to make a guess, I would say yeah, that's it. Because she didn't give her brother the power, Emil. And Sophie obviously passed away without seemingly having a child with Cormac. Even though I'm sure it would tie into Bryce and her power somehow with, you know, being able to charge her up, I'm sure it could come in to the back into the story in that sense. But I feel like she died her off for some reason. I would lean that we're not going to see him anymore. What about you, Ash? I don't know if we're going to see them anymore in Crescent City specifically. We are always talking about what Amran is and who she's related to. And there were a lot of times where I thought she was an Asteri until later on when we find out what they really are. And I'm like, "Mm, probs not that. But I'm kind of leaning towards she might be something in that Thunderbird realm. Um, and that might be maybe where Sophie is descended from is whatever Amran is. That's what it morphed into. Um, just there were some similarities in the way it was being presented, like under the water versus what we saw when Amran was released. Moss is not one to just drop something and we never hear from it again. I just think it's it's going to pop up in a way we're probably not expecting. What about you, Kat? I honestly don't know. I think it would be a waste of such a cool being to just have one. And also, Sophie didn't know she was it until she made the drop and had this like teeny tiny kernel. So in my head, although I'm sure Emil is totally human, like I get that whole 
storyline. In my head, I was like, if he made the drop, what if he had a little colonel as well? Their brother and sister. I mean, it may be less. It may be more diluted. Maybe he won't be as powerful as Sophie, but you never know. I just really hope it's not because I think there's... And also, I'm going to say this because I keep on this. I don't like when the main... I don't need the most powerful beings. Like, I like there to be other insanely powerful beings like right alongside. I, I can see the argument where she wouldn't have introduced them if it didn't correlate to something along down the road. And if Thunderbirds were the only thing that could have helped the situation in this book. It makes sense that they're going to help more in the future. But I don't know where they're going to come from at all. Honestly, the first time I read this book, I thought Sophie had died and Victoria was coming back in Sophie's body. And then she was a wraith inside a Thunderbird. And I thought that was going to be bomb ass. <laughs> but then I, they found Sophie's body. And I was like, oh, Victoria's still down there. Never mind. And then, <laughs> and then she was in the morgue. <sighs> Victoria, Victoria. All right. Well, we're touching on Sophie. So obviously the main initial quest of this book is Bryce, Hunt, and Co. are supposed to be looking for Emil, um, which is Sophie's brother, as we said. But it seems to take them quite a bit of time to actually get going. They're very distracted by like video games and parties and nonsense ballet. It took them about 200 pages to actually <laughs> start looking. Did that seem odd to anyone else or was it just me because I was mad about Victoria this whole time? I feel like there's, for a there's a lot of dragging their feet in this series. It is never high pressure. And I was realizing that this book literally takes place over like three weeks, four weeks, super short time frame. And really hard to remember that when you're reading such a long book, even though it seemed like a long time, maybe it really wasn't. I do agree that things did not need to be in this book. Think about it. I wonder how many hours are in their day. Do they have like a 72 hour day? Is that how it works? On you know who could tell you every second in every day <laughs> that has happened? <laughs> Victoria. She can tell us exactly how long these days are. <laughs> For her sake, I hope they're not 72-hour days. <laughs> this whole cast just takes forever to do anything, and their priorities are wildly out of whack a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. So It's my own personal hell. It it feels like that part in, in Iron Flames where they're doing a revolution, but nobody knows how to do the revolution. There's no plan. <laughs> We're just running around like chickens with our heads cut off. That is what's happening here. We are distracted by literally everything except this mythological being who nobody can find, who is also a child child who has just basically been rescued from an internment camp. Like, wh where is your priorities here? We didn't need to go to the party. We didn't need to play the video game. Like, we should be focusing. I know. The only thing with Rune that drives me crazy, I'm like, you're just a glorified frat boy. Can we please get it yeah. together, my friend? They're like, work hard, play hard. I'm like, how about just work hard in the world? They're still college age. <laughs> like, yeah. Lifespan of a fae. I'm going to tell you, Jess, when we were in college, if there was shit that needed to go down, we would would have been on top of it at some point we would have been like all right we gotta sober up for this but they we would have be been drunk, drunk while doing it but it would have yeah, gotten, it done. gotten done, the thing. <laughs> done. Which is basically what rune did he was high on mirth root when cormac showed up for the first time and he was like oh i gotta i gotta, I gotta focus <laughs> really funny actually he's like what is happening <laughs> you know what i liked cormac i liked him as a character he was a great addition did either of you listen to the audiobook no he has an irish accent they portray him as being I like irish okay in the audiobook it was very cormac donnell i mean that, I that makes sense it. that makes sense i liked it how, how irish he was <laughs> there was there's like a whole thing about like the welsh names versus the irish names versus this that and how it's like 
pulling them all in and I'm like, okay, I don't, we'll see how it unravels. But Cormac, I I did like as a character, but. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of sad he was a one and done. I am too. I was hoping there would have been a connection, obviously, like him and Az. Hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like they were like cousins twice Let's be emo in the corner together. You know? Well, we're, I feel like we're definitely going to get a connection between Reese and Rune somehow. Oh, there's, my There's going to be relations there. God, I hope so. If Theon Greyjoy can get a redemption arc, Tamlin can get a redemption arc. <laughs> I want Aerys. If Aerys can get a redemption arc. Aerys will definitely. The, the, both of them are in, like, the woman-hating club, and they need some serious group therapy before they can have their redemption yes. arc. That's all I will say. They have a lot of explaining to do for themselves. If Aerys can get one, Tamlin can get one. The good thing about CC is who ne- nobody needs a redemption arc in CC. Connor's little brother, Ethan, who perished in the first book, uh, The Pack of Devils, rest in peace, is trying to find a place after being cast out by his pack, aka Sabine, who's like awful. What did you the think worst. about his arc during this novel? Because he played a really big role in this book. I think, sadly, Ethan was probably my least favorite character in this book. He quite literally was a sad puppy to me, though. <laughs> whole book and i get why obviously like poor kid's gone you know brother parents all gone and she tried at the end to kind of give him his little come up story and i'm i'm interested in it i'm interested to see where this mystic alpha fendir air storyline goes i'm definitely interested in that because sabine can go suck a d and get out of here sorry i wonder how the sabine and mordok sex scene i know no no i don't want that in my head (laughs) Okay, I do have a question about that, but stick with Ethan. While I appreciate him being there, I I liked him coming back because I think that him forgiving Bryce was important. I just still felt like he was a little bit unnecessary for a lot of the book. I liked having Ethan in and I thought his arc of a being one of the last remaining ties to pack of devils really that's in existence him trying to figure out what his role is here as we're also trying to figure out what his role is here I think that was important. But what I didn't think was important was for them to have him also obsessed with Bryce. I felt like that was a bit of a cop out. We didn't need that. I think the way he is set up for book three could be really, really impactful and interesting. Like you said, where we left off with like the mystics and the potential new alpha and especially given where we end the book and who's actually left in Crescent City. But a lot of it was a waste of words. Yeah, I fully agree with the aspect of him also being in love with Bryce. I mm-hmm. That was part of the whole unnecessary realm for me like they could have just been friends she's not the only girl in crescent city so i don't understand why we have to do this again and again and again thank you yeah Uh, and this isn't the first time that we've had the main character be everybody's favorite and everybody in love with them like aelin had three or four guys like 15 boyfriends yeah but yeah fine (laughs) so i think that's kind of where we might be getting a little bit of weariness on that trope I was hoping a little bit more of the wolf action. I, I like seeing the prime. He's so cute. With the puppies, that was very cute. I think that was adorable. I do think he will probably pass away at some point in this series. Oh, absolutely. Because that's where all this double alpha thing is going to come into play. So that's exactly what they're setting this up for. How did you produce Sabine? Like, you sound like such a nice, strong, lovable wolf. And then you produce, like, a spawn of Satan. I don't know. It sounds like he's got some secrets because... Oh, 100%. He's got another heir. But it's, from what I understood in the book, it is Sabine's niece. So she fought her brother 
for Alpha and lost. And instead of killing off her brother, they think he was exiled. And that was, that's, that's his family. Okay. Is those okay, are so like, yeah, we knew about the brother then. Yeah. So they, but maybe the prime apparently knew that the brother didn't die. Or I, I don't like know that. about that. We'll learn more. I'm sure. Watch her not mention that at all. In the next book. I know. Like not one. Like, no Victoria, one no that. <laughs> no, we just needed the mystics so we could get this alpha. And so we could get the new little sprites and that's it. And the dragon and that's it. And then we'll never hear from them ever again so what where is ariadne coming back what is what's happening with her obviously her and flynn are going to be together with all that banter i want to know what's happening with her and where she's going to come back into play <laughs> i'm sure the next book because it's all about their house isn't it <laughs> they're saying that she's on the cover the dragon that's on the cover mm-hmm. people are saying is ariadne ariadne therian has a lot going on in this novel but he has a lot going on in this novel we see quite a bit more of what lurks beneath the water in this book Did you ever think he might be a double agent? I mean, obviously he was a double agent, but did you ever think he was going to betray like Bryce, Hunt, and co. with his queen? Ooh, this is a hard one to answer one because I read it for the first time so long ago. I can see that. I can absolutely see how that could be, you know, a thought. But ultimately, no, I think think because we were in his POV, I don't think I was ever too worried about it because there was, I don't feel like there was ever too much you know, alluding to him being a double agent against Bryce and Hunt and co. So I think like having him as a POV character this time helped know his true intentions. I think in the first book, he made it very clear that whereas like he would help them, his like allegiance lied underneath to his queen. In this book, my my whole question with uh, Therion at the end was because he has a lot of similarities to Ariel. Is anybody else catching that? You know, he seems to want to be where the people are, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so he just made a deal with this enchantress, you know? And uh, I'm wondering if he's just going to lose his fins altogether. I think I was just suspicious of him. I do enjoy him as a character, but you never really know where anybody's loyalty lies when it comes to something like that. When he did seem to be so dedicated to his queen, I just was never sure. And obviously, you're never sure in the Moss universe, at least until the last 15 pages, regardless. So given the decisions he made towards the end, where he basically betrays his queen and has to pledge his loyalty to the Viper Queen, could almost be seen as betrayal just because the fact that he no longer has control over his own actions. I I'm very concerned for how this shakes out. There is like no one left inside of Crescent City to help. So I am very worried for where this next book is going to go, to say the least. But yes, he plays a little fast and loose with his fins and having to get himself in water. So I think at some point he is going to lose that ability. Um, I'm not saying it'll be gone forever because you never say never in this universe. Yeah. When he ran into that chamber with like five seconds left, I had anxiety. I was like... (sighs) I was like, sir. Do you care? <laughs> like, a spray bottle? How much water do you have to submerge yourself in? <laughs> Just put a tub in your office. <laughs> yeah, or that. I think the Viper Queen is going to be lean more on the good side, like one of the good guys, rather than a bad guy. So even though he is controlled by her i don't know if that's gonna be a bad thing uh i mean i think the viper queen is just like jessica i think they lean toward the good but they have their own agenda to me when i think of them i think of catwoman all about herself she wasn't technically a villain but she wasn't a hero she was about getting what she wanted done if they want to pick good they'll pick good if they want to pick bad to get whatever they want they're gonna do that too so i, I don't have a yeah. problem what if they're sisters or something like that they could be. they could be at this point everybody no. related at this point in this damn yeah. <laughs> this damn but world i anything, agree anything goes mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's like she's an ally as long as it's going with what she wants to do and her own personal agenda. The second that does not align anymore, she's going to throw you mm-hmm. under the bus. So you can never mm-hmm. fully 100% depend on her or Jessica for that matter. Yeah. Okay. Circling to back to Bryce and Hunt, as per usual, have a wrench thrown into their plans of romance by Daddy Autumn King, who decides Bryce is going to marry Cormac, who is the prince from a more conservative country. How did you feel about the way this was handled? I liked it because it stayed true to the Autumn King's nature of him trying to control Bryce and control the situation to better his own purposes. Absolutely loved how Bryce got out of it. Iconic, like surprising everybody. I love those moments when the female main character, like when the surprise comes out. I love those moments. I don't think it was one of the unnecessary storylines. I I think it was one of the necessary ones to help us get to characters we needed. Yeah, they they definitely had to have a reason to pull him in. I did like him. It never felt like a real thread. It was like, they were like, oh, you're engaged to him. And they're like, I don't care. And it just never really became a thing. There was never a real threat. Like nobody seems actually scared of the Autumn King in any capacity. Yeah, Autumn King needs to start like actually following through with something things because like we we get the the storyline that he used to obviously hurt rune but everything that they've been scared of him for like he needs to start following through or we're we're not going to be scared of him either (laughs) i actually wished that rune would have been able to winnow opposed to bryce like i think that would have been a nice thing for rune to have considering he has the shadows it didn't really make sense to me why he couldn't be able to do that Okay, well, as we've said, lots going on in this book. Shocking, considering it's 800 pages, I would hope so. But after the events with Micah in book one, we have a new archangel who is coming into play, who is basically uh, Hunt's boss. I feel like we have not talked about Hunt at all. We're just like, goodbye, we don't care. So did you think Celestina was somebody who was going to be an ally? Did you think she was somebody that could be trusted? My other question about all of this is, even if she was, whose idea was it to merge the, I don't even know how to say the word, the triari? Uh, Like everything was just going to be good after Micah, Sandriel, all that. Like, let's just merge everybody who's been fighting each other for the past like 2,000 years. Like, that's a great idea. We found out at the beginning that it was the Asteri's order for them to be merged. And then we find out at the end of the book that they did it on purpose because they knew that Sandriel's Triari would spy on Hunt and Bryce and, and all of them. But I think so, what I mean is like as Celestina, somebody who's trying to like bring order to this chaos, they have no ability to be like, this might not be the best idea to get the results you want here. She didn't have a backbone at all. She did whatever the Asteri told her to do. Celestina never trusted her. She has no backbone. I was not a fan. Celestine, every time she was like, what do I have to do to earn your trust? I don't know why anybody didn't say go get Victoria from the bottom of the ocean. And I'm being serious. Like I'm not just like on a Victoria like rant, but that would have been my first thing of like, you want to earn my trust? Bring me back somebody who was on my side, who got unfairly punished. Right? She asked that twice. And I know that we keep joking around about Victoria, but that would have been my question. Go get Victoria, bring somebody back who meant something to me and we can work go from there that will be a way for you to earn my trust but celestina i think i agree with you jess like she has no backbone what about you ash any sort of woman in power 
that is dressed in some sort of pink just already makes me nervous. I've been traumatized by umbrage uh, since a young age, so I'm automatically on the defense. (laughs) I at least appreciated that she was a little bit more fair and was trying to be a little bit more professional than what we were seeing in the past. But again, like you said, with those moments of what can I do to earn your trust, don't make me merge with my arch enemies and go rescue my friend from the bottom of the ocean. Like those are the two top things that I would have said, not let me go live with my boo thing thing. You're literally immortal. You have forever. You're going to be okay. Those would have probably been my priorities. And speaking of boo thing things, let's discuss Bryce and Hunt, uh, their matehood. Did anybody else find it ridiculous that they went straight to mate from boyfriend, girlfriend? I think it's hard for us to, as humans on earth, (laughs) to relate because we don't call any, like people don't call each other mates here in real life, but in their world, they do, right? So it was a natural title for them to think of is how I took it. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and that it wasn't that silly to go from zero to a hundred so fast. I do like that they technically are mates on like what we have known to be mates, like soul bonded type stuff. For me, it felt like a jump. And I do like that you said, you know, we have to put our little mortal brains into their world and be like, this is normal for them. So that is a totally fair point. I think it was just their... It was just the paragraph. And I just remember reading it like three times. Like, yeah, that's logical. They're like, no, is he my boyfriend? But like, that doesn't seem good enough. But like partner also wasn't strong enough. Mate, he is my forever mate. We are bonded. Our souls are together. It was. It happened in a matter of a paragraph. And I felt like that was a bit of a stretch for me. Even when we were first being introduced to like the concept of a mate or looking at Throne of Glass or especially Akatar, it took quite a minute to kind of get there. So it, it almost felt like it cheapened how serious that mating bond is to me based on what we've seen in the rest of her universe. Kat, what about you? Because it it took Reese like four years to get with Farah, and their power source is a thousand times more than your power source. So there's like a whole thing about how Crescent City is like a kernel of the power compared to Akatar. So finding your mate should be a little bit harder in the Crescent City world versus the Akatar world. So to me, when she was like, oh, we're mates. I was like, how do you for real know? And to be completely honest, I don't actually think Bryce and Hunt are mates. It felt very forced and it didn't feel real to me, but I also don't like them as a couple and Hunt is kind of missed. So maybe that's that's it for me too. I genuinely think there's going to be somebody else in this next book. What book series have we read of hers where there's just one and that's it so far? Other than Nesta and Cassian, because if you break them up, I will murder her. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like otherwise, it, there's always like a red herring dude there has been a lot of talk of people saying that hunt and bryce are carry-ons like they their powers call to each other and i guess moss had yeah. introduced that into the carinum yeah the carinum. yeah that the carinum That's rowan and aelin yeah they were carinum. and so they're saying that their their powers call to each other doesn't technically mean that they're mates mm-hmm. though but exactly. their powers call to one another uh, we'll get into this later but we all know that hunt's probably gonna die at some point maybe get resurrected. There's a lot of foreshadowing. I was actually thinking along those threads before we hopped on. And I was thinking like how really no main main character has ever passed away in a Moss book. Obviously, some very painful ones have happened for us, the 13, but no main character has. So I'm like, okay, is she going to do it this time? I really hope she doesn't. But 
She could, but odds are in our favor that she won't, right? I mean, I would be okay if Hunt kicked the bucket. <laughs> no. And she brings him back anyways. So, I, I mean, she... But I hope she doesn't do that because she already did that with Reese. Yeah. And Farah. They both died and came back. Okay. Well, no one cares about Farah. Yeah. So. No, same. Okay. So, back to, to Bryce. So, another one of the, the main or sub sub things that was going on here was Bryce coming to terms with like who she was not really wanting to be a princess but then she quote unquote gets tricked into becoming a full princess because she tried to pull her royal weight to help Juniper how did you feel about that whole situation with her Moss was trying to get us to be like oh no woe is me and I'm like oh my god I'm so sorry you have a black card and like all of this newfound privilege that you get to experience I don't feel bad for you but that's just me how did you guys feel I would agree it doesn't matter to me if she's a princess or not it doesn't change anything as far as her powers go as far as the main storylines go so could i could have left it on the editing room floor that's for sure i mean i say this all the time i would prefer if we didn't stack all the cards in our main characters and i thought bryce was being a little catty doing what she did but that was me Bryce is very hot-headed, but all, like she, it's, she's a weird character because she's very calculated on some things, but then she's also very... She's just other. like her dad. If everybody can realize that, she's always compared to the Autumn King, whereas Rune is never compared to him. So she get all mad about how Autumn King acts, and she acts the same exact way. I also think the Autumn King is one who's going to pull a Lilith Soren Gale and uh, sacrifice himself for his kids. <laughs> That's my theory. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sticking with it. I, I'll let you have that theory, but I don't. I, he burned Rune as a baby. Like I don't know if he actually has sent Violet to the Riders Squadron. She believed in her, though. She believed yeah, in her. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. These are the same things. Uh, I think he's gonna figure out whatever issue he's trying to figure out, and then he's gonna hightail out of there. That's honestly what I think. He's very much a me, me, me person. Like the Viper Queen, like Jessica. Like it's it's if it's to his benefit, he will help. But I don't. I don't know that he has that in him but we'll see i would make a bet i wouldn't be surprised if bryce <laughs> kills him that's my guess she takes him out Ooh. she's already leveled up above him so i wouldn't be surprised if she gets like all hot-headed and she kills him and maybe he lets her because she was in his head she was born of love and rune was born of duty or whatever well rune did say at the end of the of the second book like it's time for his reign to end and for her to take over hmm. she would be a terrible queen okay <laughs> anyways let's go back to the one solid pure character in this whole book how do we feel about june and fury happy for them if they're happy again a storyline i didn't think was necessary though i do adore both of their characters i'm more so interested in who fury is in general you know i'm not so interested in their love story i just want to know what fury is and how she's going to affect the story as a whole but overall happy for them i agree there was a there was a long time and i was telling kat this too that i genuinely thought fury and amarin could be the same person and she's just like slipping back and forth through the rift like anytime she disappears that's just what she's doing i'm still not convinced they are not related in some capacity but i would have to agree i'm way more interested to learn who fury is 
is and what she's actually doing and who she works for versus their relationship. I think they're cute. I think Juniper is a doll, but I I don't care. I didn't need their storyline. I just like them the most. Fury is the one that kind of like calls Bryce out on her shit most, but also, yes, I would like to know what Fury is. But I personally think the two of them would have made more interesting mains than Hunt and Bryce, um, in my personal opinion. Like, I would have preferred them being the lead characters here. So Really? I just, you think June would have been an interesting main character? Not so much June, more so Fury, but honestly, that's, I feel kind of the same about June as I do about, like, Hunt. Like, I just don't care that much. The thing is, about mains, what we had with Aelin was she was someone who already knew who she was. Maybe she was still finding out other things, but she was already, like, a badass in her own right. We weren't necessarily along with her while she was learning all these things about herself. She already knew, like, 70% of what was going on with her. In this situation with Bryce, we're learning from, like, point one of, like, who she is. Fury already knows what she is. Like, she, whatever it is, she's hiding it from the rest of us, too. I just think she's a way more fascinating character than some of the mains that we're dealing with right now. June is just, like, a sweetheart in the corner. She's more interesting to me than Elaine is, that's for sure. June is a pure character. Like, she is yes. the pure character in this yes. series. And that's why I she's, like her. She's who I think Moss wanted Elaine to be, but isn't. Yes. Because there's, there's a difference between just being a sweetheart and just a good person and just being a waste of space, which is Elaine, so. A wet blanket. Yes. Yes. Okay, so after we finish um, House of Earth and Blood, which is Carson City 1, it's pretty apparent that Danica was not at all who she seemed, and Bryce never really knew her, or at least the full her. How do you feel about Danica at the end of this book with the Baxian unveiling, um, figuring out who her father is? Do you think Danica as a character could be trusted? This is a hard answer because as a character, I really like Danica. I like that she was a badass who was figuring all this stuff out while still trying to protect the people she loved. However, I do not like how she went about protecting the people she loved. I hate, hate, hate a lot how in the dark Bryce was about everything. It just really cheapens their friendship to me. I love friendships, especially in books. I wish that it wasn't so severe in the secrets that she was keeping from Bryce, but I do like her as a character. I definitely think she's obviously a very interesting character because the more we get to know her, <laughs> we know she's not just some like party girl with multicolored hair. There was a lot going on. I'm also trying to figure out where she found the time to do all this because nobody seems to move fast here. So it's how the 72 much time. You, these are 72 <laughs> hour days, I swear to God. You know, I appreciate how close her and Bryce were, but I feel like that's very hard for Bryce too to kind of come to terms with how much she did not know. And it's like every book is just another blow of just some major factoid that she had no clue of. I, I think Danica's, no, I don't think we know enough about her character to say if she's fully trustworthy or not. Spoiler, Danica has a, a love child with Baxian and CC. Probably. I'm kidding. Point, I don't know. Like, but like at this, at this point, point, I was going to say, if there's more <laughs> secrets that come out in the next book, it's going to be. That seems in. to be the consistent theme here is Danica has another secret that's going to like blow up. Okay, so we're going to circle back to Hunt, give him a little bit more time. There's been a lot more questions and answers at the end of this book about Orion Hunt Alathar, especially regarding his daddy. There's a strong theory going on that he may kick the bucket and obviously probably be resurrected. Do you think that's where Moss is going? And if she throws a curveball and actually gets rid of Hunt altogether, who do you think Bryce is going to end up with? There's people saying as, there's Adidas the cat, maybe Ethan 
Ethan. I refuse to believe that he will die. I'm not going to entertain it. <laughs> I just well, don't want to entertain Who do you think it. his Let's daddy pretend. is? I am dying to know. Really, Because it's going to be a huge reveal. I feel like it's going to be a huge reveal and it's going to be something that really matters as far as advancing the story. Definitely not dying for him to die. <laughs> And if he does, then Bryce is just going to be sad and lonely for her whole, whole life. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want her with anybody else. Yeah. Everybody else is taken. Are they though? not Adidas? Seem Adidas like single, ready to Pringle. Adidas, okay. Adidas, yeah, I like Adidas. <laughs> In terms of who his dad is, there's a lot of people talking about smells. That is the thing I hate the most about these books. But they always keep saying his smell is off, like something is off about him. His dad is obviously either somebody from hell or he's somebody from Prithian. He is somebody that is not from the current world that they inhabit. Probably Hellion, like everybody else's dad. Say. Honestly, <laughs> I mean that's probably who it is. He got around. He probably slipped through a rift when he was at a party. Didn't even realize. Hellion probably has kids in like every freaking universe and doesn't even realize he's in it. I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, I do too. He's he's Lenny Kravitz in my head. He's just so cool and just like chill. Anyway, um, in terms of him dying, I could take relief hunt to be completely honest. But if he does die, I hope it's after they figure out this first light, second light situation. Because if anybody in this series deserves peace, if something like this happens, it is him. I'm not sure who I want her to end up with. I don't know if it's Az. I think Adis would actually be cool because I would like Hell to come into play. I want to see where we go with that whole storyline. So I think that's the, the the route I would go. Just leave Az alone. <laughs> he doesn't need this chaos. <laughs> I think as far as his dad goes, obviously they said in the first book at the end, Jespa knew him, knew the dad very well. So that's my question is who, obviously we don't know who Jespa, we know nothing about this woman. But they did say in this book that he looked exactly like Thur, aka Thor. So I'm wondering if he came from lineage, but if he dies, that's a hell of a death. But if she has to go to somebody, I don't know. I find it kind of weird that she would end up with the cat. Maybe there'd be like a new... We'll see. Okay, so shifting into just some questions about Rune. We haven't gotten to chat a lot about Rune. Um, his storyline, obviously, we saw a lot of him in this book, and luckily, a better relationship between him and Bryce as well. What did you think about uh, his mental shenanigans with Agent Daybright as he joined the rebellion? Overall, I enjoyed it. I loved the surprise at the end of who it was, it being Lydia. I didn't catch it. it. It was a surprise to me the first time I read it through. And while I think it may be weird that it was <laughs> some portions, you know, the sexual escapades in the mind type thing. Overall, that was one of the storylines that I liked being included. I think obviously it helped us get in more information about the war and Ophian. And then again, I'm a big sucker for, for twists and surprises. So I liked the surprise at the end of it, of who it ended up being. When I first read it, I don't think I really paid that much attention to who Daybright was because I didn't really care. The whole sexual capades between them, mind thing, I, you don't know who this person is. So you're just like online sexting with somebody, basically. This is kind of the same thing. I will say that Rune and Lydia do give me heavy Manon and Dorian vibes. I will say that. My only thing about Rune at the end when he's 
caught and like shit's going down and he starts building that wall up in his mind to Lydia. And I'm like, what are you doing? Think of the bigger picture here, man. She is the only person here who could save you. And you're like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I was like, oh my God, uh, don't cut off your nose and spite your face. But that frustrated me. I'm like, you could have helped the situation if you had just kept it down to hear what she had to say, take it for what it is. And then you can build your wall or whatever. Yeah. I mean, be pissed at her after you get out from the torture chamber. But I do like them together. I think it's a good fit. And I think he needs like a strong female. So again, man and Dorian vibes. What about you, Ash? I knew it was Lydia the minute they were having one of their mental shenanigans and she got pulled away by a really rough hand and then something was going on and he's like, oh, she's like having sex with someone. I just knew it. I just knew it in my heart. Baxian at one point had made a comment about the two of them. And I think at that point, I was kind of holding on to things he was saying because he was very observant. He was like in the background, but knew what was going on. So I was very suspicious that it was Lydia. That kind of sucked because it wasn't a surprise for me in that moment. I just wanted to see how it was going to unravel. I did like all of their shenanigans. I liked that you saw the Heinz, like quote unquote human side. And I have a lot of questions about all the H's now, to be honest. I'm just like, what is going on with them? <laughs> I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the next one. Okay. So at the end of this novel, we are face to face with this series creepy lead man who's like 17, including the H's and Mordock, who eats people, which is also insane. What did you think of the revelation of what the Esteri were? It took me a couple of read throughs to understand it. It's very convoluted, I feel like. It's an interesting aspect that just it helps connect all the worlds together, obviously. And we had to have some type of connection so that we could get to Akatar's planet. But overall, a positive in my book. I was just kind of dying at the fact that they're literally just giant parasites that are like plugged into these thrones that are powering them up. They're just basically sitting on butt plugs that are like <laughs> powering them up. I don't know. I was like, okay. That was interesting. And I, I did like how they pulled in the fact that they had taken over all these other worlds. And like when Bryce was basically in that room, finding out all this information about the different worlds they were a part of, like this world didn't work, had to destroy this, oh, got kicked out of this planet. Damn it, Aelin. Like, and I think they were on Earth and they were like, oh, these people are going to destroy themselves. Before Earth is ghetto. <laughs> Earth is real ghetto. So Earth is the Florida of like the solar system. So yeah, they're, they were like, we're out of here. So that was really interesting to me. Um, that whole scene in like the throne room and everything. I'm like, this is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. But also they are literally giant leeches that are just sucking power out of people. And this whole first light, second light thing, I'm not a fan of. I don't like that people don't actually get to rest when they die. I think I understood it more the second time I read this because <laughs> the first time I was highly confused. Um, And then the ending eclipsed of course, everything. I took time to read through the worlds of who lost, who won, who got eaten. think this should be the big bad of all three. Okay, well, we've talked about it and alluded to it quite a bit, but in the final few pages of this novel, which is, again, why I rated it what I did, the two of Moss's worlds collide. Bryce jumps through the portal that she thinks is to hell, but instead, Bryce basically falls into the arms of Az and finds herself smack in the middle of all our Akatar faves. What was going through your mind when this occurred? 
I was blown away. Definitely second favorite of any and all Moss books. I thought that was genius. The fact that she had Bryce look at Reese and it looked exactly like Rune, that blew my mind. Rune has had the sister knife to Az also blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, everything's coming full circle. This is amazing. It is by far the second, my second favorite thing I've ever read out of any Moss book. The first, of course, will be Kingdom of Ash at the end. It was beautiful. It was chef's kiss. It was, it definitely made all 790 pages worth it that we just trucked through. I absolutely adored it. As I said, when I saw that name at the end, when I saw Reese's name at the end, I flipped out and immediately just went as fast as I could through the rest of the pages that I tried to trade. But I think it's genius if she's had this plan for a while. It just blows my mind all of the connections. I am so anxious to to see the interactions between the two characters. I can't wait because it's all characters that we adore. I'm excited to see how they interact and who gets along with who. Like, who's Bryce going to be best friends with? Not Nesta. I can tell you that. I think they'll be cohort. I think they'd be okay, but Bryce is going to have to step it up a bit. It's not going to be Farrah, so Farrah's just being lame in the corner. (laughs) If we get Throne of Glass thrown in there too, I mean, oh boy, it's going to be... I don't think anything would ever top it <laughs> if we get it all connected. And it's yeah, I when I got to the scene, just when she's looking up and they're describing as his hands, I'm like, here we go. Because obviously, like I said, I waited a year to read this. So I knew it was happening. I was like, when, when and how, when and how? That's all I was trying to figure out. I'm like, she's going to hell. She's not gonna end up there unless this is hell. And we didn't know this whole time. <laughs> so but it was still really cool seeing the two worlds collide. And obviously only Amarin and Reese can even speak to her or know what's going on. I think I was most surprised by the fact that Az's dagger was the the mate to the star sword. And I was like, how did I not put that together during this whole thing? But I guess I wasn't really thinking about it. That was the part that really surprised me. And then of course, the fact that she thought Reese was rune. I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> this just got real. Like those were the moments where I was a little shook. So I am very excited to see how these two worlds collide and what will come in the next book. Uh, I know we got a little bit of a snippet because Sarah J Moss literally blew up her own spot. I want to get the explanation. I think it's going to be, there's going to be huge implications of the missing court or whatever dusk. there is. The dusk mm-hmm. court. I think Bryce is going to be queen of that or mm-hmm. something like that. I'm anxious to see, you know, what's going on there. Because it's got to be like when Thea and all of them left, like they were dust court. Yeah. I'm excited to get that one confirmed because I am yeah. all in on that. Is that the question you're hoping Moth answers the most in the next book? No, I wouldn't say that. I think what I'm hoping gets answered the most is Amarin and Fury and their tied together okay i don't i just i'm so curious you know because amarin is not even from avatar's world Mm -hmm. so where do they come from and how does that all tie together i like that what about you ash i definitely hope we get some more answers about amarin and fury as well i would like obviously victoria to be rescued that goes without saying so i'm really interested to see where the dusk court situation goes because there's some that are saying like everybody who's in that jail where they broke out like the bone carver they're saying like that was the dust mm-hmm. and they just forgot after they were in prison. There's like so many different theories floating around about that one. I'm just genuinely interested to see how all these characters are going to combine, especially what shenanigans Bryce is going to get into with Reese and crew and how they're going to get back <laughs> to save Crescent City because I'm hoping that's what's happening is, you know, Reese is going to use his big bad shadow daddy powers to like go do something important. The whole crew honestly is going to be needed because Crescent City is a shit show. I think those are the some of the keys 
It's a laundry list. A good question is who has first light power or the bright power to charge Bryce up to do it? Because that's not a power that I think we've seen in Akatar's world, is it? Helian's going to have to have sex with Bryce and then she's going to have another (laughs) baby. Oh, I guess, yeah, maybe Helian. Helian has like a star power, Yeah, he has a star power too. Like a light power. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. his. I wouldn't be surprised if it was him actually. Still don't 100% know what Nesta is capable of. There's also a lot of random um, beings in the Akatar world that we don't know their full capabilities either. So it could come out of left field. I think the question I want most answered is runes prophecy what does this mean Mm. if he dies i am not going to be okay and i will stop reading moss altogether like i will be very upset i just want something to happen where he gets like a level up power somehow in the next book because i'm really tired of this man getting shit on like all the time as far as fury and aaron i have like i've read some theories but i'm gonna hold off on what i'm not really sure which one i can get behind yet Uh, when you said the throne of glass stone like all i want is her to save throne of glass for the end all epic battle and have them come back as like the end game moment all hope is lost some portal opens and here's aelin and man and charging through and i want all the dead people to be able to come back to life because I want the 13 back. Even if they're back in a spiritual way, the pack of the devils, like bring them back and watch them whoop ass. That's what I'm hoping for. Oh, gives me chills just thinking about it. That'd be cool. I want to see Manon and Reese. <laughs> that would bring me joy because she's going to be like, no, yeah. I, do- I literally don't care. I do not care. Please go away. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I'm excited for. And, and Amron and Nesta are going to be like, this is my kind of girl. Yeah. <laughs> like we're about it. Uh. Uh, I don't think Rune is going to die, and I'm truly 100% certain that his prophecy, we don't know the full extent. I think she's trying to, like, throw everybody off, and it's going to be some whole thing over here in the corner. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's the last of this line, but because he's actually a part of it, you know, it's yeah, going to be something ridiculous. Yeah, that's a good ridiculous. point. I mean, we yeah. don't know Reese's last name, so... We don't. <laughs> we don't. Who, who freaking knows? It's Starborn. It's Moonbeam. Yeah. It's whatever. Moonbeam? It's Moonbeam. <laughs> Stardust. But Jess, thanks for coming on and talking all things Crescent City with us. Enjoyed it. Thank you. I will talk about Crescent City anytime and try to convince people that it's the best series. <laughs> we needed that because we're on, at least I'm on a very different page with this one. So I appreciate the second view because it's it's always interesting to hear that. So we're going to take another vote after this next book comes out. Yeah, because who knows? Because again, Reese pre-Silver Flames, after Silver Flames, completely different answers from me, for sure. So who knows what's going to happen, but I am excited. Yes. Well, we have a whole theories episode, and now I'm like, I wonder if any of these are going to get blown out of the water. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to see what the next book brings. Um, And yes, thank you for diving into this very lengthy tome. Can't wait to see how many of us were wrong in a few weeks about so many things. We want to hear from you. Are you also wondering why they still haven't freed Victoria? Email us at hello at pageragepodcast.com or DM us on Insta at pagerage underscore podcast. And of course, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast network. (laughs) 